Hey there, Minnow Tankers. I'm Ken, the founder of Minnow Tank. The Minnow Tank podcast interviews tech startup founders and the investors that fund them. This episode of the Minnow Tank podcast is brought to you by Minnow Tank. Whether you're an investor looking for new investment opportunities, a founder looking to pitch your tech startup, or a Minnow Tanker looking to stay up to date with growing tech startups, you can join our community of entrepreneurs at MinnowTank.com. All right, Minnow Tankers, here's the show. Hey there, Minnow Tankers. This is Ken, and I have Lynn Greenberg, CEO and co-founder of Pivot. Lynn, thank you for joining us on the Minnow Tank podcast. Thank you for having me. All right, Lynn, so instead of me getting into what Pivot is, why don't you tell us who you are and what is Pivot? So um, Pivot was actually started out of my own experience being an expat. Um, so I moved abroad to London right after graduating from college. And like many expats, I faced the issue that they do when moving to a new and unfamiliar place, which is, A, how do you go about finding information on your city from people you trust? I didn't know where to live. I didn't know which bank to join. And these weren't things I wanted to rely on a Google or a TripAdvisor for. The second piece was I was starting a new job at Bloomberg and didn't have time to recreate my network from scratch. And as anyone that moves knows, it's friends that you need the most when you're moving to a new and unfamiliar place. So out of this frustration, I did a lot of research to see if this problem went beyond just myself. And it seemed to be the case. So um, I moved back to New York about a year and a half ago to found Pivot, um, which is a there's two parts of Pivot. The first part, um, the original part, is a consumer app for people moving and traveling to help acclimate in their new city. So it's uh, available on iOS and Android. What the interesting that ha thing that happened is after about three weeks of launching our consumer app, we started getting approached by corporations and relocation companies saying, we love how you've solved this problem for expats and relocated employees and have cultivated a community that's so powerful. Is this something that you would be interested in, um, you know, building out for us internally? And so did some research, found that actually these um, large corporations averagely spend about $90,000 relocating a single employee only for about a third of them to quit their job within a year or move back home because of social reasons. And we believe at Pivot that this is really because there's no social tool that's included in these relocation packages. Um, and so, you know, going back to our, our original mission, it's really to give people the tools to get trusted advice and, um, you know, make friends right away so that when you land in your city, you can make the most of it and um, take advantage of all new opportunities. So, Lynn, I am your perfect customer uh, because twice in my life now, and I'm only 28 as of earlier this month, uh, I have been relocated across continents. So I have been moved to China for a job and I've been moved to Berlin, Germany for a job. And so I can tell you that at both those positions, I felt this exact pain. Um, I was a relatively well-compensated employee who's moving over to a strategic position that can't be filled by somebody else. That's why I was moved there. So I totally get what you're doing. But do me a favor, because I think we get a little bit bogged down by our own jargon. For someone who has no idea about this industry, about relocation, 
If you could explain the problem that Pivot solves in one sentence, what would that be? I think, well, for anyone that is relocating, the number one, the actually, the number one concern of all expats is their social well-being. And that simply is just not being taken care of by relocation packages. And um, so that's really what Pivot is here to solve. I love it. Simple enough. Um, okay, so next question. I want a little bit more about you, Lynn, um, as someone who's been in the UK as well as worked here in the US. How did you become an entrepreneur? So yeah, just really going back to my, my experience in London, um, it wasn't something I set out to be. I moved over to London to work for Bloomberg and faced this issue firsthand. And by nature, I've, I've always been a curious person. So when I found this issue that I was facing, I was curious as to, uh, you know, if this problem was bigger than myself and started to go to conferences and workshops about what it meant to build a startup, how to, more importantly, how to solve a problem um, and, and would just, you know, reach out to people and really uh, listen to anyone that would talk to me about their, their problems moving or traveling abroad. And out of this frustration, I, uh, you know, became an entrepreneur. I um, kind of learned from the ground up. I'm, I'm still learning. I'm far from having all the answers. But if, it, if I really didn't feel this problem first and foremost, I, I don't think I would have, um, you know, been in this position. So, Lynn, I'll tell you, whenever I talk to investors, especially in the Minotank podcast and inside the Minotank community, so often you want an investor who, or, I'm sorry, you want an investment opportunity. You want a founder who has experienced this problem because they know firsthand. You know, as much as we'd like to think, the, the last thing investors really want to see are two, you know, 24-year-old MIT guys coming out saying construction is broken. We're going to fix it with an algorithm. It's not really what they want because they have no empathy and the passion for that, regardless of how big the market is, the empathy is not going to be there for the customers. And it won't last the two, six, eight, ten years it will require to actually build that into a viable big company and a big opportunity for those investors. So I think what you just said, having gone through this experience, is paramount important when looking at an investable opportunity in, a, in the tech industry. And my next question is built around um, – the difficulties that you get when you start a startup. So you said, you know, you kind of fell into it. You wanted to solve this problem yourself. It didn't exist out there. And I, I recently recorded another podcast where we talked about the metaphor of the, um, not skyscraper, what is the word? Iceberg, geez. So the iceberg, and the, you know, you see the top, you see like the top 5% of an iceberg, but you never understand the 95% below the water that is all the work and frustration and difficulty that goes into building pivot. So my next question for you, Lynn, I know that was a big sentence, is what is your guiding principle that gets you up in the morning, every morning, and keeps you excited about building Pivot? There's, there's many things. Um, but the number one thing um, that has kind of led me and, and gets me really excited in the morning is creating a platform in which people can make the most of their opportunities and go to unfamiliar places and expand their outlooks. That's the ultimate goal of Pivot. Um, and look, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I was given in London. And I 
you know, with all my heart, just want uh, people to um, embrace opportunity, take opportunity when it comes along, and and really make the most of it. So that's that's really what gets me up in the morning. And um, to go back to your point, I, I think it's really really crucial that you feel passionate about what you're building. Um, I've seen it on on the investment side as well that look, building a startup is really difficult. Um, more so than not, there's going to be, there's going to be tough days. And so if you don't have this passion to really push you forward, it, it, you're really going to, um, you know, jeopardize your company and, and your mission in the process. Yeah. And, and what you just brought up is our next question, which is the capital side, right? So assuming you're in it for the long haul and you're going to make it happen, um, oftentimes when it comes to tech, because of the expense of the industry and the research and development and the expansion at which you want to grow and you can grow, it's kind of the luxury and the beauty of this business, often tech startups decide to raise capital. So let me ask you, Lynn, have you ever raised capital for pivots? And if so, why did you decide to do that? Yeah, so it, being spending after spending two years in venture capital um, is something that um, I'm very aware of, luckily it's uh, very familiar with the industry. Lynn, are you still there? Lynn, I think me? I lost you. Oh, now I can hear you. Say that again. Okay. So I, I can you hear did, me now? Go ahead and start over. Start over. Answer that question. <laughs> okay. Sure. Um. So, look, I think after spending two years being on the investment side of in venture capital, I have approached this uh, very differently than if I had not gone through that experience. Um, you know, I understand what kind of strings are attached when you take investment. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the place that you need to be in when to, to really get investment and, and build that partnership with investors. So, Today, we have only raised a friends and family round. We are in the process of closing out paid trials for this B2B platform of Pivot. And after, after that fact, we will be approaching uh, investors about our seed round. But, um, you know, I, I've known from my experience that before you get to that point, it's really not even worth your time approaching investors. Um, with the B2B side and, and with the consumer side, you really have to have certain KPIs before you can approach investors. And, and for those reasons, um, we just haven't gotten to that point yet. I got it. And I think that's it's really valuable to have experience on both sides of the fence, on the investor side and the founder side. Um, so then let me ask our next question, which is how did you connect with your investors? So you raised a friends and family round and you're closing on a seed round right now. How did you find those people? Luckily, after being in the venture capital industry for about two years um, here in New York and and hopefully uh, still kind of, um, you know, taking part in the industry, I've built a lot of gr uh, great connections within the space. And so um, my network is, is really, really helpful in this sense. Um, but, of course, a lot of research has to go into it and always discovering new opportunities. Um, there's so many micro funds out there and, and venture funds that 
um, can be of interest. And I think the, the really tough part is, like I said, it's, it's a marriage. So um, you, you can't get boggled down by the name brand of the, the investors. You really have to make sure that there's a value add on both sides and, and that is a proper fit. Right, right. Makes perfect sense. So as you're closing your seed round um, and as you're expanding your business, usually we see tech startups investing heavily into two things. Number one is that R&D and, and hard tech side. So whether it's, you know, um, new technologies or vetting out, you know, trials like you just said um, and working on the, the technology and the software side. And the other half is talent um, and the ability to acquire that really high value talent to be more agile and more lean. So my next question for you, Lynn, is, are you hiring and how do you acquire the best talent for your startup? It's tough. I think any entrepreneur will tell you that hiring is one of the toughest parts um, about being a founder. And especially in the beginning stages, your first employees are an extension of you and your business. So they really have to stand for everything that you and your business stands for. So we've, yeah, we've, um, you know, we have a, a great CTO that we brought on board a couple of months ago, um, you know, who has experience building startups. He has taken two companies to Y Combinator, one of which was acquired. And, um, you know, he's just really, really, really great on the technical side, um, which me and my co-founder are, are missing. But in, in order to find him, we, we had to kiss a lot of frogs. There's, um, you know, there's no easy way to find tech talent. And even the large companies like Bloomberg are, are having trouble finding great tech talent because there's just such a, there's such a need. So um, the, the, you know, the issue that a lot of startups face that we certainly did is what can we offer our employees that these big companies can't. Um, you know, obviously, while we're bootstrapping, we can offer the same benefits that these large corporations can, um, and the same security. But really, what it depends on is um, being able to really project your vision um, and get them to really be on board with what you're looking to build. So um, we, we hired James, and he was, uh, you know, a month before he just came back from being an expat in, in Hong Kong. And so he mm. felt our problem firsthand. So that was really, really important to us that he really saw what we were trying to do and what we were looking to accomplish. Um, but it's hard. It's, it's really, really hard. We're not currently hiring, um, but we, you know, hopefully will be in the next six months or so. Right. Okay. So, Lynn, you know, you've talked about a lot of the experiences you've gone through of successfully, which is really amazing, finding a CTO that's experienced your problem, not just interested in the conversation, the opportunity, but also experienced your problem. Um, so let me ask you our second to last question. If you could give other tech founders out there one piece of advice, and I think it's especially unique because a lot of the people we talk to on the Minotech podcast and the Minotech community are technical founders. And so as you just disclosed, that you and your other co-founder are not necessarily technical. Um, you went out and found that talent. That's one really you know, valuable piece of advice there. Would you mind giving us another piece of advice, um, just from your experience, one piece of advice you give to a tech founder out there? 
Wow, there's there's so many, and um, you know, I can I can give a, a, a twenty minute speech about all the things that I wish I knew before going into it. Um, look, I think uh, you know a really big thing is know your customer inside out. Um, you know, know uh, what their favorite rom com is on a Sunday. Know everything about them because ultimately the platform is being built for them. Um, so that means, you know, you can't assume anything. And um, I think with that comes along the um, the necessity to be really niche. So you may have an idea for what your product might be ultimately in three years down the line or even six months down the line. But being able to really focus on one problem and do it really well um, and solve solve that issue for for your your customer is is so crucial um you know i've seen it so many times on the investment side um as well as with my experience in pivot where you just you see the long-term um goal and you're you just bite off too much and and as a result you're not as effective in really going out and solving that main issue for your customer so um i think that's the the, the one piece of advice that I would give, but of course, um, you know, there's so many to be had. Yeah, Lynn, it's my favorite question, just because it tells us a little bit about, you know, what you've experienced, but being laser focused on that one thing to solve, I think is a good, a good thing to say, because whenever you, you know, as a, the, the analogy I made earlier of like the two guys you know, trying to solve the um, construction industry entirely, that happens a lot, especially when you see, you know, tech companies pitching out these days, they'll say, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to make these amazing plans, it's too much, biting. You can't boil the ocean. I actually love that phrase, boiling the ocean. Um, so, Lynn, thank you so much. My very last question for you for today is: How can someone find you online if, after they listen to the Minotank podcast, they want to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, always, always love to hear from people over email. So you can reach me at Lynn at PivotApp.com. That's P-I-V-T-A-P-P.com. Um, or feel free to shoot me over a LinkedIn message as well. All right. That's Lynn Greenberg, CEO and co-founder of Pivot. Thank you so much for joining us on the Minotank Podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey there, Minotankers. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Minotank Podcast. Want to ask a question to one of our featured investors or tech founders? Use the anchor.fm app to record your question and send it in to the Minotank podcast to be featured next episode. Make sure to record your name, where you're calling in from, and your question. And make sure to subscribe to the Minotank podcast for more awesome interviews with tech founders and the investors who fund them. Again, I'm Ken Barton, founder of Minotank, and I'll see you next time, y'all.